Hello there and welcome back to the Blacktop Podcast. This is episode three and we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, y'all know what this is going to be about. But before that, got a little uh, little announcement slash like, I guess, more confirmation thing. So as I mentioned last episode, which is me and Ruben, two man gaming it. This is our official three. So it's going to be me, Ruben and Christian. We're definitely going to have some friends here and there, but like the Milwaukee Big Three, the new Philly Big Three, the I don't really know if you call the LA a Big Three, but this is going to be our Big Three. So this is our first official episode with us as like the official trio. So boys, what's up? Ruben, what's up, bro? Going on, man. What's happening? What's How you doing, bro? We're solid, man. We're solid. Thursday, I see. Man. I see you got that New Jersey. Come on, show that. Oh, show that Freddie, shit. Freddie Vandelay, you know, All Star is gonna be in Cleveland. You know what I mean? Much deserved. I'm very excited for it. my boy Freddie VanVleet to rep it with Team LeBron. They're about to smash Team Kevin Durant because he doesn't know how to draft two years in a row. So uh, you know that's what it is. One hundred percent. And last but not least, like I said before, I love this man like my brother, but he's really my cousin, Christian. What up, cousin? Oz, I'm just kidding, you know. uh, <laughs> uh, I'm good. Uh, I don't really have much to say, to be honest. I'm pretty hyped to be back. Uh, I mean, fun fact. I uh, woke up late for this recording, but let's go. <laughs> yes, sir. That's all right. Yo, we still here. Okay, so because there was a momentous few events that have taken place yet today while we're recording and the past few days... This is going to be a little different, so we're not going to do takes or the Blacktop Showdown, unfortunately, but that's okay. Y'all, it's Thursday, or it's Thursday as we're recording this, and y'all already know what happening or what happened that day. It's the trade deadline, so we're going to go through every of the major trade. The ones we aren't going to talk about are the Miami Heat and the OKC one, just because, you know, Casey Paul is cool and all, but he not no needle mover, and the other one is the... The Celtics and the Magic trade, where it was like Bull Bull and PJ Dozier for uh, a second round pick in cash considerations. Just because those are, you know, they're trades and all, but, you know, it's not like the juicy stuff we're here to talk about. So in doing so, we're going to go through all the major trades. So what we're going to do is we're going to grade them and just, you know, give our general banter on it. So, for example, number one, let's get right into it. We have the plate. We have the Blazers and the Clippers trade. So the details here. On the Blazers' end, they get all-defensive NBA point guard Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second-round pick via Detroit. On the Clippers' end, they get former Raptors legend Norman Powell and clamper Robert Covington. So basically what's going to happen... I'm going to start off the first one, but from here on, we're just going to go through a little cycle. It's going to be me, Ruben, then Christian... What we're going to do, we're going to give our grades. So let's start right there. So for me, I give the Blazers a D for disgusting, you know. And the Clippers, fat A, man. With the Blazers, I mean, they traded Gary Trent Jr. theoretically for Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe's solid, don't get me wrong. But I think he's just very streaky as a player. And my, like, my biggest memory of him was when he dribbled the ball when he was the inbounder. But aside from that, the only reason it's not an F, I think, was because of Keon Johnson, you know. He's a nice young player. He's, uh, I think he was like the 21st pick of this draft. 
But with him, he plays with a lot of speed. I mean, he has like a 45-inch vertical or something. You know, who else has a 45-inch vertical? I believe Zach Levine does. But he's a guy that hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunity on a very deep LA Clippers roster. So uh, hopefully with the way the Blazers season is going, hopefully the man gets some decent run. And again, the Clippers, I gave them an A. So you don't do this move, I feel, unless you have like a decent feeling that PG and Kawhi are coming back at some point. Or at least one of them. You know, with Roko, it's an expiring deal. And with the way their money's set up, I think it's very unlikely that they're going to be able to resign him. Norman Powell, a top-tier bucket. And it's just more veteran presence, and that's always a valuable thing when it comes to a contending team. So, those are my thoughts. Boys, y'all got any? What were y'all grades for this trade? Yeah, I, I agree with you pretty much. I mean, the Blazers gave up a lot of assets, like young assets, draft capital, to get Robert Cummington only to trade him for essentially Keon Johnson. And then, like you said, Gary Trent for Norman Powell and turns into Eric Bledsoe, who was probably going to be a bio candidate. So, um, you know, the only, the only value that they get back really is Keon Johnson. We'll see if he even pans out, which I think he'll have some nice playing time considering the Seer Little is out. And, and that team is basically in a tank mode where they're trying to retool in the summer for Dame Lillard. So we'll see. They opened up a lot of cap space. So I think that's the only benefit I see it. But, I mean, the Clippers won for sure, like you mentioned. I mean, you get Norman Powell, a bucket getter. And he's signed long-term as well. He's got that extension that he signed in Portland. So that's a really nice piece to have alongside PG and Kawhi moving forward, at least for the next couple of years. So we'll see how that pans out. But uh, I agree with your trades. D for the, the Blazers and an A for the Clippers. Solid, solid. Christian, what do you think? Uh, not much to add, really. I agree with Ruben. Like, you know, I probably initially, I think, because this was one of the earlier trades, or pretty much the the first trade of the um trade deadline season, basically. But I, I would have gave it maybe a C plus, um, because I would have understood like the idea of moving like Norman Powell and Robert Covington and like kind of trying to bring in a younger presence. And you know, it was really costly. I think, but I think. Looking forward at the the other moves they've made, um, I I don't know how to really feel um about this trade, and I'd even go so far to give it an F because I feel like they like pretty much are like dumping their team to try and like I don't know make a quick flip, but they definitely didn't go about it in the most I guess uh, progressive way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Solid. Solid. Okay. Next trade up. Man, I'm very passionate about it's the Karis Levert trade. So on the Cavaliers end, obviously they get Karis Levert and a 2022 second round pick via Miami. With the Pacers, they got Ricky Rubio, a 2022 first round draft pick, which is lottery protected, and two 2022 second round picks via Houston and Utah. Now I'm gonna pass off to Ruben, bro. Give me the give me the grades. Give me what your thoughts are, yo. Yeah, you know what? I like this trade for Cleveland. We called this on the first episode of the Blacktop Pod. So I, I, I graded an A+, just because the one thing that this team was missing was that certified bucket getter from the wing. And now they have that. They have that certified bucket getter, and he's a guy who briefly has had time in the playoffs. So that's going to be really valuable alongside guys like Darius Garland. So now you have that secondary playmaker um, alongside a guy like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. So I really like that pickup for them. And they did it in a way that doesn't cost them too much. They're going to give their pick away, but it's lottery protected. And that pick is going to be in the late first round. Um, 
And I think they really like where their young core is. And then in the summertime, they're going to have assets to trade, like when you're thinking about Colin Sexton. Um, so, you know, they're going to have things, they're going to have a lot of assets to work with. So this is a great trade for them. On behalf of Indiana, I like this too, because R- Ricky Ruby is an expiring deal. He's injured. He's not going to play for them. They get draft capital. And they're trying to blow it up already anyways. And this obviously aligns with the, the trades that they did afterwards, which we will discuss later on. Um, it works out for them. I, I think it's uh, they've done a really good job. I really like what Indiana has done this week um, in terms of the trade deadline and, and trying to blow it up and bring in young players and draft capital. And they've done a good job. So I would say, you know, for Cleveland, I give it an A+. For Indiana, I would just give it a B. Um, Obviously, anytime you lose the best player, uh, it's tough for me to give them a very good grade, but I, I like where they're heading. Um, if this was the only trade they did, then I would have ranked it differently, but I'm also keeping in mind the stuff that they've already done afterwards. All right, Christian, I'll let you go first. You got, you got anything to add, you? Um. No, honestly, <laughs> I mean, Ruben makes good points, to be honest. Um, pretty on point. But I like the trade for both people or both teams at the end of the day. I mean, Karis Levert is, like, I think a well-needed fit on a very, like, large roster for Cleveland. Um, he'll definitely bring that kind of different scoring presence that I wouldn't say they lack, but are definitely missing in, like, Colin Sexton-type figure, and they kind of find it in, like, a larger wing-type player. I think that's something that will be... Uh, influential on them as like a kind of middle seed team. Um, and, and yeah, same thing kind of that Ruben said, like quickly, you know, the Pacers are like definitely making the right moves for their future. And uh, I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but I think, yeah, it, it was a, a needed move. I think that's all I have really to add. Yeah. For me, I think the only thing I really had to add for the Cavs is that I also gave it an A plus, but I think not only from a team standpoint, but a marketing standpoint, it's gold. You got the hometown kid coming home. I mean, when you add him to their starting five, I think that's an elite starting five. That's like, that could easily, like, contend in, in my opinion. I mean, you have a six seven two, and like three seven footers surrounded with a six foot guard. That's, man, that's, ah, man, I'm just excited for playoff basketball, but shoot. Yeah, it's going to be. And, I'm just excited that Karis LeVert is going to play playoff basketball. That's all, I, that's all I'm going to end off there. All right. Christian, it's up on you. So we got our first kind of big, big one, I'd say. It's the Blazers and the Pelicans. So for the Blazers, they got Josh Hart, Tomas Sadaransky, Nikhail Alexander-Walker, Didi Luzada, who I'm pretty sure got suspended for PEDs, and a... 2022 protected first round pick and two second round picks. Now, on the other hand, for the Pelicans, they got CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell. Now, when it comes to the 2022 first round pick, though, for the Pels, uh, it says here that one to four, it goes to the Pelicans, five to 14, it goes to the Blazers, and 15 to 30, it goes to the Hornets. I don't get how like that protection works, but because that's on 2K, but that's how it is. So Christian, <clears throat> let's hear your grades, bro. Bless you. This one's a hard one for me because I like when this first came out, I initially was pretty high on, you know, Portland making the trade to like kind of push the needle. Cause like I 
have been a pretty firm believer that, you know, the Portland backcourt has not been working for some time and it's kind of run its course. Um, but, I mean, we're going to talk about it maybe later, but they did trade off NAW recently um, during this deadline as well from this trade for... I, I, I can't recall, honestly, but I just remember being a doo-doo trade. Um, and... Um, I mean, I'd probably like, I guess, to sum it up before I kind of go more into it. I'd probably give New Orleans probably an A for this trade. Um, I definitely understand the idea of like enticing Zion to stay, having BI on the roster as well. Like they're trying to be a contending team and they're making serious moves. Um, CJ McCollum is definitely like an underrated player at this point in his career. Um, has a lot to prove and um, he's always been like, second string to Dame, respectfully. Um, and then Larry Nance is, like, a really great addition, I think, to that trade at the end of the day. Like, having him play alongside, like, JV, um, and really having that, like, veteran, more veteran experience um, alongside, like, Zion as he's probably going to, you know, rehabilitate coming into the next season. I think that's something. And then, you know, Tony Snell, like, one of the most efficient players in the league, you know? Um but yeah, for Portland, this is kind of a tough one for me. I think I'd give them like a C plus, all things considered. Like I think they got like the assets they wanted, but um, I was surprised to see them move NAW so quickly, considering he's like the most valuable. He, th- I believe it was Joe Ingles they got for um, got for him, right? Yeah, uh, and you know Joe Ingles is out for the season with a ACL, and I mean I'm sure you guys may know better than me why that was a trade that was made. I just think NAW is like probably, yeah, the, it, if this was 2k, he'd be like a three-star value pick like player in this, in this scenario, you know? And, uh, yeah, I'm just confused as to why he went so quickly. Um, but yeah, C plus C. Um, yeah, you guys have anything to add? Uh, DJ. Uh, I think the thing for me is, uh, thank you for mentioning it. Tony Snell. The greatest shooter of all time. A 50-50-100 season. He has not missed a free throw uh, when I looked this up since March 12th, 2019. So even pre-COVID. No, but uh, I like the move for the Pels. I think the only thing, though, is that with CJ's massive contract, along with BI, who's already making a max, and Zion, who you're obviously going to extend to like a super max in a sense, I'm worried about JV. Because he's heading into a contract year, and the way he's playing, he's definitely going to command a high pay, like a high pay grade. Now, I think if you're the Pelicans, though, I feel like I'd definitely be willing to go into like deep, 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 deep into the pockets. But I just think that's a that's a storyline to watch out for. And then with the Blazers, yeah, I mean it's a trade we're going to talk about right after, so I'll probably hold that since I guess I think I'm leaning ahead on that. But yeah, Ruben, bro, you got anything to add, my dude? Yeah, you know what I. I like the I like the trade for the Pelicans, so I agree with Christian. That's mostly uh, to to entice Zion to stay and try to try to um, aggregate as many assets and as many top level players as you can. And if you look on paper, Devontae Graham, C.J. McCollum, uh, Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas, that's a that's a really nice lineup, and I think that's a very competitive lineup if and when healthy. For the Blazers, the interesting part is is. The front office wants to change the way they play 
Hence the reason they're getting all this draft capital, they're clearing up all the space, because what they want to do in the summertime is use all those assets to trade them out um, and to be able to have enough cap space to sign somebody in free agency. Is Portland a free agent destination? No. But, I mean, to have that cap space is very valuable, so they can take a significant amount of money back if they decide to trade for another top-level player. I don't know how many of those will be available in trade in the offseason, but we shall see. But I really like the addition of Josh Hart because if they're trying to go and retool and change the way they play, the style of play that they want to do, hence the reason why they were involved in so many conversations around Jeremy Grant is they want to go long. They want to go big. They want to go defensive. And they want to surround these. They want to surround Dame with these kind of players so that they can mask him on defense and then also have the shooting ability and that length around Dame. Um, and obviously we've seen that it hasn't worked with CJ as his backcourt partner. So I like this trade, obviously, for the Pelicans. Larry Nance is going to be out for at least six weeks because he's getting toe surgery. But they get CJ. You get the best player. You're going to get the better grade. For the Blazers, for me, it's the picks and Josh Hart. And I think Josh Hart is a really nice fit for Dame. Um, he's obviously not going to be a main piece, but I really like his fit beside Dame if they're going to continue to retool towards that defensive versatile lineup. Six, six. So, as Christian kind of hinted to, let's talk about this three-teamer here. So, the Jazz got Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Juancho Hernan Gomez. The Blazers got Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, and a second-round pick. And the Spurs, man, they lucked out. They got uh, Tomas Sadaransky and a second-round pick via the Jazz. And uh, the Blazers' second-round pick was also via the Jazz. So, for the Jazz, I'm going to give them an A here. I mean, I think they addressed the one, like, personnel problem they have is the size. I think they addressed that with Rudy and the fact that when the teams play five out, he's not as effective. That's why you get a guy like, you know, Rudy Gay who can guard multiple positions. And with Nikhil, he's 6'6", so he's a big guard. So I think when you have those lineups where you have, like, a bigger guard, like, on the opposing team, and you can pair either Donovan Mitchell in a lineup or uh, Mike Conley in a lineup with another guard like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I think that's a really solid. And Juancho, I don't think he's going to get any playing time, but he's 6'9", so, you know, that's some good size there. But I'm not saying definitely that uh, Nikhil will replace Mike Conley, but, you know, Mike Conley's going to retire sooner rather than later. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm going to ask... Leave the Blazers for last. So for the Spurs, I gave him a D. I mean, Sado's a cool backup. He's another big guard, but doesn't really do anything for your team, especially considering that, you know, they traded away Derek White, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, I mean, Sado's cool. He ended Canada's potential for going to the Olympics, but, you know, it's uh, not anything to write home about. Now with the Blazers, I think this was a terrible move. So bad that it's even worse than an F. And... I don't know if if you're from America and you're watching this. I don't know how y'all do it. But here, you can get something lower than an F, which is an I. Which is like incomplete. And I just think, you know, I understand the desire to create cap space. Especially considering that, you know, you're trying to retool this team around Dame. And with that, you can only really get like established superstars. Or like, you know, real needle movers and not really say like Dame. You know, Jabari Smith is the next man up. He might be, but, you know, Dame's 31. He's not getting any younger. And Nikhil Alexander, Nikhil, I think, could have been 
perfect to pair alongside Anthony for the rest of the season, considering that, you know, again, he's another big guard. Anthony Simons is a 6'3", but again, that size that Nikhil gives you at the guard position, I think is something that's so valuable, especially with the, like, the manner that positionless basketball is heading into. And I think with that, if you had those two and you're just allowing them to play through all their mistakes, allowing them to really, like, get the ball rolling in terms of their, you know, blossoming into the players they're going to be, you roll that momentum into next year when you get Dame back. So grody. But shoot, I think considering that uh, Christian did the first part of the trade, uh, Christian, what are your additional thoughts? Man, I mean, I'm still, I feel like I can express it more, but this was a shit trade. Like, NAW, like, I think at the end of the day, like, is like, like, I'm not going to hype him up to be like, yeah, he's one of the, like, more like high prospects out there but i do think he is like a very raw talent like even this season with the pelicans you know given their climate he's been able to um show how well he can perform he's had like multiple 30 point games he's like a positive defender like you said he is a bigger guard he is someone i think that you know down the road is could like just like sneak his way into being like a very like influential player on a like contending team and uh to really like go from CJ McCollum to basically Josh Hart, Didi Luzada and two for like a first round pick and two second round picks. Like again, I I think there's only so much space you open up for Dame um, in terms of like, uh, sorry, like open or opening up the money essentially. Like I, I just don't really see where they really are going. Like, like, you know, I, I don't know how much GMs talk, but I can only assume they have some sort of me- method to the madness at this point. Otherwise, you know, pretty shit trade. Rube, bro, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you just, I feel like you could have gotten more from Nikhil. I mean, he, he hasn't been playing well this year. But so that's why I feel like he was. At, you know, at such cheap value, but he I mean he's such a young player with a lot of potential. So I think he, he his value could have brought back a lot more. I mean, for the Blazers and, and the Spurs, like Tomas Sadaransky is an expiring deal. Joe Ingles is out for the season, but he's also an expiring deal. So this was just about accumulating more assets and more and more cap space. So I don't really rank this trade other than the Blazers, you know, being a complete failure. Because I mean, again, like you guys all reiterated. Nikhil Alexander Walker, if it if it took Joe Ingles in a second round pick, I think a ton of other teams could have offered so much more for his for his play. Um or for his potential. You know, that's pretty much it on my end. Okay, okay, okay. All right, man, Ruben, bro. I hope I hope you're ready. This is one this is probably the second biggest actually not probably this is the second biggest one. It's the Pacers and the Kings deal. So you all probably know, but just to reiterate, for the Pacers, they are getting Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday. Whereas the Kings take back a package of DeMontis Sabonis. And was there anybody else? I believe that was, it was just. I think it's Jeremy oh, Lamb. No, I totally Jeremy flipped Lamb, that. My bad. Yeah. Sorry. Jeremy Lamb and uh, Justin Holiday went to the Kings. Yeah, Ruben, bro. You know, let's hear your grades, buddy. 
Yeah, for the Pacers, I give them an A. I mean, you get, uh, I mean, you don't get the best player, but the reason why I like this deal, deal in particular is because Tyrese Halliburton is a is going to be an all is an all star caliber player, and um, you know him being the cornerstone player that you bring in, you pair him with a Chris Duarte in the backcourt. I, I I just I, I love this pick. I just I love Tyrese Halliburton. Um, for the for the Kings, I. I Sorry for the Pacers. I do give them so, like I said, an A. Buddy Healed. I don't think he's going to stick around long term past the season, which I think ends up being a great trade piece for them to acquire more draft capital, more young players. Because Healed is going to be at this time and and date, he's twenty eight years old, if I'm not mistaken, and he's going to be a really good piece for a contender. Um, and we'll see what happens off season. Tristan Thompson is obviously going to be on the buyout market, if I'm not mistaken. So I really like what they've done, and and as I was saying before, like this is a, a really good trade that spearheads their rebuild. Um, obviously, when we're talking about what they give away for Karis LeVert. for the Kings, at first I was gonna say uh, a C, um, only because of the fact that Tyrese Halliburton was c- completely committed to Sacramento, being a player there long term. He already showed signs that he is going to be an All Star player. Out of the two guards at this moment, I would have committed fully into Tyrese Halliburton. And made that trade of Fox force a bonus, but obviously that doesn't completely make sense for Indiana since they already have Brogdon. Um, so if you were gonna trade for another guard, it has to be a young guy with a lot of potential, a high ceiling. So bonus, I think, really accelerates their ability to be competitive. And we saw in the first game how good Sabonis was for them. I mean, he just changed the way their offense looked. Granted, they were playing against the Timberwolves, a team that's also competing for a play play in spot. But just just seeing him on the floor with De'Aaron Fox, that chemistry together, their DHOs, like everything they were doing together, chemistry, their half-court offense looked really solid for them. So I'm going to upgrade this trade to a C plus um, because I I do like Sabonis. He is an all-star player. It's just tough when you give away a guy with upside who, for the first time, Sacramento got a draft pick right. You know, they got a draft pick right. And they traded it away for a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, who is still 25 and young and can still continue to develop. But again, it, it's, 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 a, it's a tough place right now to kind of figure out where Sacramento, they want to compete for the play-in play and then let's see where they go after that. Um, so you, you get an all-star player back, they do get the best player back, but at the expense of their future, who, again, Halliburton looks like that kind of guy. He looks like the guy. Um, so it, it's tough to gauge. So C plus for them, Pacers. I give them, uh, I give them an A. What about you guys, Chin? Um, honestly, yeah, I think it's a very controversial take to like really take this one on because, um, yeah, I, I I agree completely that Tyrese Halliburton has been like the first kind of sign of the Kings making, you know, an influential move. I do think um, a lot of the decision had to be around you know is De'Aaron Fox still that guy and um, you know this is mostly because I have him on my fantasy team but De'Aaron Fox every time uh, Tyrese Halliburton has been um, out of like the game or not playing the day of has been still showing great signs and they were definitely clashing to an extent I I would even compare like JB or like the Jays and uh, you know the Celtics um, where they were just not like meshing in a way that was actually like positive for their team. So um, I was definitely waiting to see 
who went. And I think the reason they do keep De'Aaron Fox is like, you know, partially like really because he has that a little bit more of experience and like edge when it comes to their timeline. Like DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox fit more into a timeline that's suitable for them to try and make a push. Whereas Tyrese Halliburton, like giving him the keys would like almost decelerate if they were to have him and Sabonis play together. And that's a hypothetical, right? Like I think uh, Sabonis and Halliburton could be good. But Halburn is just in his is his his sophomore year, right? Um, so he's 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 still a player that does need to grow. And um, I think when I look at this, they have they're getting Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb, like two players who have uh, been in the league for a good amount of time. Like I think they're adding like real bench depth um, as compared to Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson. I mean, Buddy Heald's been playing great, um, but he he was kind of a bad like or a negative locker room guy for that team. Um, so I think this is really like a push for them to like try and become a serious franchise. And so I, I'd give it a B, honestly, I think, all things considered. Um, and definitely an A for the Pacers, considering where they're at. Yeah, no, I think you all brought up super solid points. For me, I gave the Pacers an A, A-plus pending, just by the fact that I agree. I, I agree that... Tyrese Halliburton is not only an all-star caliber player, I believe he has the potential to be like a top, top guard in this league considering that we've already seen him developing like amazing vision. Only thing that's kind of sus is his jumper, but it does fall. Now, with Tyrese Halliburton, obviously you have your new face of the franchise. You have probably your most significant player since Paul George. We all know how that ended. But Tyrese Halliburton, you know, Fingers crossed this is a step in the right direction. And with the Kings, yeah, I agree. I gave it a C plus. And my main thing was uh, prior to seeing the highlights of the first game was just seeing how DeMontis Sabonis, I think, is very methodical given that he is the bigger dude. But with De'Aaron Fox, he's arguably, actually not even arguably in my opinion, he's undeniably probably the fastest player we've seen play since like a prime John Wall. When you have like, it's kind of like the tortoise and the hare. You have two complete opposites, but... You know, as Ruben was saying earlier before we, like, recorded, in the half court, pretty solid. And I think when it comes to, you know, running the break, I think I would love to see them run a bunch of, like, Darren Fox just fucking bolts down. DeMontis Sabonis grabs it and some on some Kevin Love shit, that full court pass. I think they have the potential to really, really make some good stuff there. I think I agree that both teams come out really good. Immediately, though, I would have to give this to the Kings, but future-wise, I do think the Pacers are evidently going to win it. But yeah, shoot, yeah, that's... Tyrus Halliburton's that dude, yo. All right, the way I got to set up Ruben, bro, you running it back. We got the Raptors trade. So, the Raptors got one of the greatest big men to ever play, Mr. Thagic Johnson. Drew Eubanks, who they waived, and a 2022 second-round pick via San Antonio. The Spurs got the Dragon, Goran Dragic, and a 2022 first-round pick via Toronto. Ruben, floor is yours, bro. This is your team. Yeah, when it was first reported, it was basically Goran Dragic and Thaddeus Young, and I said, dope. And then we realized after the money doesn't make sense and has to match. So we get Drew Eubanks. 
the only issue is we gave away a first round pick, lottery protected. And so after looking at all the discourse, I am actually quite okay with this trade. I, I would rank it a C plus considering there were two major needs that we needed here was a big man and a, and a, and, uh, a depth guard to come in and, and provide some valuable minutes and, and contribute off the bench and be a three level scorer. We didn't get any of those. So I think for the deadline specifically for looking at what the needs were for the Raptors, they didn't address those things, but you got something for Gordon Dragic, so that's already a positive. Your first-round pick turns into a second-round pick, which is going to be a high second-round pick considering it's Detroit's. So you went from maybe uh, in the 20s in the first round to in the high 30s. So, I mean, and the Toronto Raptors are very confident in their ability to scout and draft. So wherever they fall, they've typically drafted very well. And I don't remember the last time they nipped the bud on a draft other than Bruno Caboclo, uh, what year was that? I, I can't remember. When he was the 20th pick. So off, more often than not, you're especially with this draft, I mean, it's it's pretty top-heavy, and then the rest of it is a pretty hit and miss. So you're willing to take that back. You, you get a guy like Thaddeus Young, who's a really good veteran, locker room presence. Um, he's well-liked around the league. He's a professional scorer. He's a guy that can play make. And again, ter- it fits the mold of what Toronto's trying to do. And he's that 6'9 guy who can play make, who can score at all three levels, and once again provide a veteran presence at 33 years old. And this is a guy that Toronto's been trying to target for so long. So when you turn a guy like Gordon Dragic who doesn't play, doesn't provide any on-court or off-court value for a guy who does both, it's a positive. Um, the only reason why I give it a C-plus is we just didn't address the needs. We didn't address the things that we really needed for this team to continue to push but again, it seems like for Toronto, their unwillingness to trade anyone in their top seven rotation, which is obviously their starting five. They're Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG, Pascal, Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher, Precious Chua. Um, Chris Boucher played himself into a situation where his value is very high and very valuable to the team. So, I mean, long-winded answer for me to say, yeah, I think the Raptors definitely got a good return, but it's just very tough right now looking at them competing with the rest of the conference this year. Um, they'll probably make the top six, but they'll make the playoff and probably get knocked out in the first round, considering all the other moves that were made, which we'll discuss later. Um, you guys let me know your thoughts on, on this trade. Yeah, I mean, I'd give uh, the Raptors a B, but I agree. They definitely could have addressed more needs. I will say, though, I think, Something that I'm very, I really hope happens is that Thadjik really takes uh, Scotty under his wing, considering they're similar size. You know, Thadjik Johnson's Thadjik Johnson, maybe. <laughs> I think with that and how Scotty's really being groomed into like their point guard or being able to run point, I think that's like, I don't want to use the word perfect because that's, you know, nothing's perfect kind of thing, but I think. If there's anything as close to perfect as a guy that I think Scotty could really pick his brain, Dajic Johnson's that dude. Because again, like you said, a dude is well respected, a very like very vocal leader. I think those are all things that Scotty has the capability of being. On the Spurs, though, yeah, it's a... but the pick's cool. But I think again, with just the fact that Goran's going to like the buyout market is. 
all depends on where that pick lands, I feel. But yeah. Christian, what up, bro? Uh, you know, I think with this trade, it's like, I, I think Ruben really hit the spot on like kind of, I, I think the whole idea of like Toronto not necessarily meeting the needs of like what they needed this offseason, or not this offseason, but this trade season. Um, that being said, though, like, I do think like that young is like definitely a positive, and like even Drew Eubanks, like, consider all things considered, like, Gorn Dragic was not even riding the bench, he was pretty much serving water at this point, um, with you know, pretty much not playing at all. So, um, to even get something out of him, like a dude that's been like pretty much injury ridden for the last few years, and to be honest, like. I, I think he could be, like, easily a free agent if, like, he hadn't had, like, the seasons he's had with Miami pr- prior. Because um, this guy hasn't really, like, seen the floor in the NBA, like, legitimately for quite some time. Um, so, you know, to get a guy like that young that will actually, like, contribute time if it's given to him and also, like, contribute, like, positively, like, as a locker room presence and, like, to also get Drew Eubanks, who... Um, has shown competency at least as a like a backup center like that is definitely a plus. So I mean I'd give the Raptors a B just in the context of trade, not really necessarily meeting needs, but it is a good trade for them. Yo DJ, I can't hear you. Oop, my bad, y'all. <laughs> we're coming off of that all super solid points super solid stuff christian building off of that though we got the first celtics trade this ain't the big one but the rockets received dennis schroeder inez freedom and bruno fernando but i do believe uh inez freedom was a uh, release today if i'm not mistaken but in a return you know the Germans coming back, man. Daniel ties to the Celtics. Christian, how you feel about it? Um, honestly, like I had just heard about this trade only recently, um, and I'm feeling pretty indifferent about it. Like, I'd, I, I think this is like something for me. I think that like Ruben kind of expressed like for the Raptors, but I. I mean, they did address, like, their kind of point guard problem and obviously the other bigger trade they did make. I think having Daniel Tice back on the team is, like, is really dope just because he was, like, I think, like, spark plug even, um, you could say, for the Celtics, um, I think, at his highest point. Um, And I think given that Al Horford has been, like, you know, Al doing Al Horford things for the Celtics, I, I think it is kind of warranted that they do need like another legitimate big in there. Um, and not really like, cause I, I mean, Enos Cantor at this point in his career, wasn't really, um, going to be a hundred percent reliable. Um, and I, I don't feel like they had to really, um, give up too much for it. So I, I think this wasn't a huge needle mover for me. Like I would, <laughs> you know, I, I think in my dream world, I see Jalen Brown get traded. <laughs> um, but, um yeah i mean i'd probably give it uh probably give it a b um just because i'm a big fan of daniel tice um honestly like 
I'm trying to think who. They, sorry, remind me who they gave up again. I'm trying. I couldn't pull it up here. Uh, they gave up Dennis Schroeder, Inez Freedom, and Bruno Fernando. Right, right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know. I, I don't know much about finance in the NBA, but I know Dennis Schroeder. There was something about um, luxury taxes, which is the reason why they're trying to get rid of him. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think it's a huge hit on. The Celtics, because you know, respectfully, Dennis Schroeder wasn't going to be the guy to, you know, bring them to the. Um, trying to think of the right word to the playoffs. I was going to say like glory land. That's not right. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, Ruben, what is your take on, uh, you know, kind of the rival team of your lo- beloved uh, Toronto Triceratops? My beloved Toronto Triceratops. I like it. I like it. I like Daniel Tice. I wanted him on the Raptors. I thought he was going to be a really good uh, potential center big to go after uh, in the trade deadline season. So, I mean, again, like you said, Al Horford does Al Horford things. The guy's in and out of the lineup every now and then, and and he's obviously old. So, Daniel Tice is a good pickup, and his freedom is is not a... not a contributing factor. Bruno Fernando's not, and Dennis Schroeder, obviously, you see that aligning with the trade afterwards. So, yeah, I like like the trade for them. I would give them the B. Daniel Tice is a solid player. Yeah, my sentiment is exactly. I mean, Daniel Tice is already somewhat familiar with the system. Granted, they have a new coach, but you know he's he's a uh, he's used to that personnel. And with that, I think it's great considering that he can stretch the floor. So I think even though Robert Williams is still obviously your number one center, I think when you have those instances where you need to like stretch the floor as much as you can. You just slide Daniel Tice right in. And I agree. I think he was going to be one of the, or, well, obviously he was. I thought he was going to be one of, like, the sleeper names. And, you know, there's a part of me that's very happy that I went back to the Celtics. But, all right. So, uh, it's back to me. I'm going to talk about the Hornets and the Wizards trade. So, the Hornets got their supposed answer to center. They got Montrez Harrell. The Wizards, they got Ishmith and Vernon Carey Jr. So I'll just start off with the Wizards here. I gave it a C. I mean, Ishmith's a solid veteran, but Ruben was mentioning earlier, I do agree he's probably going to end up going to... I don't even know if a team would actually pick him up in the buyout market, but I do not think he will be a Wizard for the rest of the season. Vernon Carey, uh, you know, he was an early second-round pick. He comes out of... I think he's out of Duke, I think, so... Obviously, that's a well-respected program, but we've seen that, you know, not everyone pens out from there. He's a dude who hasn't really gotten any run. And I think considering uh, that Montrezl Harrell is gone, we might see that, considering also that there's no Bradley Beal for the rest of the year. So it's very much just, you know, you're seeing who's, like, there for the long haul kind of thing. With the Hornets, though, I gave it a B. You know, as I said earlier, they technically addressed the center problem. But I would have loved to see them grab a more natural center because I think Montrez Harrell is a power forward playing center, in my opinion. But I think the big thing here is I think this hopefully opens up a few minutes for James Booknight. Dude, they drafted 10th, been playing in the G League most of the year and only really playing in blowout situations. Uh, Considering that there's no Ish Smith, Ish Smith wasn't getting crazy minutes, but I think with his departure given their guard rotation is already pretty solid. I'd, I'd love to see James Booknight get some licks in there, man. He's a dude who's a bucket, I think could really help. And considering that the Hornets are making a playoff push, I think you need all the talent and all the help you can get from your young guys. 
But yeah, that's my thoughts. Boys, y'all got any? I think uh, I pretty much agree with all of it. I mean, the only thing about I want to add about Montrez is he's not a very good defensive player. So um, I think it's a negative for them. On the defensive end, offensively, they just get a little bit more talent off the bench, which I think they were lacking. They were lacking that depth. And I think this is a nice piece for them as they continue to try to push in the offseason or, you know, towards the postseason. Yeah, I think it it's an interesting move. Like, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the system. Like, Montrez at his best was obviously during the Clippers, and that was when he was coming off the bench, mind you. And I think that's probably where he'll... Hopefully, like, if they're... I mean, not to say I, I would make the executive call, but hopefully he does kind of slide back into that, like, kind of six-man bench role that he um, was kind of famously known for. And I think, like... Someone like LaMelo Ball has obviously shown to make kind of like wings and centers better around him or make him look better. Um, I think uh, Miles Bridges is definitely like a clear example. Not to say Miles Bridges' uh, talent is all owed to LaMelo, but you can tell like the that LaMelo's impact is definitely positive, positive on him. Um, and I think given Montrez's kind of style of play, I think there's a good chance that he could kind of elevate with someone like LaMelo around him. Um, and I, I, I think it kind of came at a small cost at the end of the day. So I think it's like a, probably a B for me. All in song. I like that. We're like, we're all kind of on the same page. There hasn't been that much like debate because that's what the blacktop showdown's for self plug. Anyways, Reuven, you got the cycle going, bro. You got another big one here. It's the wizards and the Mavs. So. The Wizards traded away the Porzingod, the Unicorn, the Latvian hero. I think he's Latvian, I'm pretty sure. But Kristaps Porzingis and a future second-round pick for uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Ruben, all you, bro. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this trade, to be honest with you. I think the Wizards, I think I both give them C-pluses because I just don't know if this elevates either team. Uh, the Wizards, I think they try to make that play for a big name. But Tim Legler from ESPN said it, and I'm going to quote him. They call Chris Haps-Porzingis the unicorn because he's such a rare talent. But he, they also call him the unicorn because you rarely ever see him. The dude barely plays. Um, he's always injury-ridden. So for the Wizards, they, they went on this fire sale, traded away all these different guys. Dinwiddie was someone that was rumored to have pretty bad locker room connections with the team. Like he, he, he just wasn't gelling with them. And and to to bring in a Chris Haps into the Wizards is an automatic, uh, to me, is an automatic message to be like, okay, our number one priority is to try to put names around Bradley Beal, convince him to stay, convince him to stay happy in, in Washington. So that's a C plus because I don't know where Przingis falls. If you know he obviously the, the experiment didn't work with Luca. Let's see if it can work with Bradley Beal. But everywhere he's been, it's always been about what-ifs with Porzingis. So, I mean, you, you trade him for a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans is a, sh- a shooting forward who's played awful this year, but he might get some good looks and he might get some time with with uh, with with Dallas and it might fit their system a lot better considering you have a guy like Luka Doncic. And Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is a really good pickup for them, uh, assuming that he can gel. They have Brunson and Luca in the backcourt, but what they're really missing is while Brunson is really good and, and they opened up cap space, 
uh, and other other deals that they did so that they can retain Jalen Brunson in the offseason, Spencer Dinwiddie is a very good scorer. And, and that's just the bold part of it, is that they need another secondary creator alongside Luka to take the pressure off of him. So I think that adds, you know, another element to their game. I think they're really trying to spread the floor and add a lot of offense around Luka because he's clearly he's clearly carrying it at this moment. And Porzingis really hasn't been that secondary guy that we thought he would be. So, I mean, for me, both teams get a C plus. I don't know what you guys feel about this trade. I mean, I'm still on the fence about it. I think they're just very obvious pushes to be like Porzingis. Experiment didn't work, so let's try to get something else. And for the Wizards, it's just trying to put a couple names around Bradley Beal to keep him uh, engaged in Washington. What do you guys think? Chen, what do you think, TJ? Um, yeah, I think it's like one of those trades that's almost like a cry for help from both teams. You know, kind of suffering from mediocrity, honestly. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie has shown like to be like, like that, you know, I guess since his injury in Brooklyn, he has been like showing signs of being just as good as when he was like not injured. Also showing signs that he has clearly been an injured player in the past. Um, Meanwhile, someone like Porzingis has been like when he did come back at the beginning of the season, looked like he could be like returning back into form. Um, but then he started to become more injury ridden and you kind of like start to just like repeat the same kind of pattern that he's shown through his whole career. And um, these are just like huge, like what if trades, like trying to really like push the needle, but not necessarily like trading for the like players that are really going to make a difference in the franchise. Um, like, I think at this point, like they are just kind of desperate to keep Beal around and um Beals, you know, I, I think, like, has kind of shown that he's, like, quote-unquote loyal or, you know, more or less loyal to the money he's getting. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I understand, like, why they did, like, kind of make this move given that they had, a like, a huge, like, kind of depth in, like, the big department with, like, Daniel Gafford. Um, Rui came back recently. Um and, you know, Davis Bertans has been playing like shit. So um, I think it's good to kind of get a more distinguished starting five on that team, um, especially with how Kuz is playing. Like, I think they're it, it's a better trade, I think, in my opinion, for the Wizards, just because they at least are trying to, like, build a more competent starting five. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, I don't think are going to really elevate much for the Mavs. They're going to be... Uh, Stay pretty much stay being a mid tier Western Conference team, in my opinion. Yeah, no, completely agree. Uh, for the Wizards, though, I gave it. I'm 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 the ultimate optimist when it comes to basketball. I gave it a B, B plus, low key. But I think when you consider if that team's healthy on paper, they look very good. Because I mean. Daniel Gafford, I think, is really starting to come into his own. Kuzma's having one of the one of, if not the best career or seasons of his career. You added like a a seven footer to that. Solid. I mean, Bradley Beal, if he does come back and sign the Supermax, I think with this season, aside from getting buckets, I think he's really improved as a facilitator. So if you come back to that with all those pieces, all those guys that you can pass off the ball to, super nice. And I do think I'm a firm believer that. 
I think when it comes to having, first of all, for an iconic or a big two or a dynamic duo, I believe it's better to have uh, two separate positions, whether it's like a guard and a wing, guard and a center. Like, for example, with the Celtics thing, I think it can be successful, but I think it's just harder considering they play the same position. I think that's the same thing with the Wizards, where all the guys that they've tried to pair with Beal as their main guys have all been guards. But I think with this, you know, again, health pending has the chance to, I think, be really solid. And the Mavs, I just think, is the last thing they fucking needed. They have so much depth at the guard position. Jalen Brunson's really coming into his own. I will say, though, I think Bertans might be cool. If he can find his shooting touch, I think considering the intention that Luka commands on the offensive end, he'll get a lot of open looks. And you pair that with the fact that if Tim Hardaway Jr. comes back, because I think he broke his foot, if he's back during the season and they're all clicking at the right time, I think that team could be very hard to defend in terms of you don't really have the luxury of double-teaming Luka every possession. And a little side note here, I'm praying that this opens up minutes for my boy, Moses Brown. Moses Brown, I think, was a really bright spot for a very uh, depleted, near-the-end-of-the-year Thunder team. He hasn't really gotten much run with the Mavs, but hopefully uh, with this departure, maybe that'll change. But all right. Well, I gotta add this, he was waived by Dallas, so... Oh, he's, gonna, he's, fuck. he's on the market. He's on the market. He's on the market. I think there's a lot of teams pretty interested. In hey, John Horse, bro, sign Moses Brown. We need another seven footer. Granted, he can't shoot for shit, but nice high energy dude. Dang, dang. All right, thank God I'm not going down. I kind of that kind of soiled it. Okay, <laughs> Christian, you got the bigger move that your boys made. You know, you're the Celtics fan by association, considering that you're a Jason Tatum fan. The Celtics received. He's represented America, I think, for the, for uh, what's like the one that's not the Olympics. Y'all know what I'm talking about. FIBA, the FIBA World Cup, I do believe. Derek White and the Spurs got Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, a 2022 first round pick that's protected 1 to 14 and swap rights on a 2028 first round pick. Christian, what do you think? Um, I think this is like definitely the more one of the more influential moves that the um, Boston Celtics have made in a bit. Um, I definitely think it was needed given that um, Marcus Smart has been getting a lot of run at the one or like really just more of like a like, I guess, uh, prominent role as a guard. And like he definitely um, can play that role. But I think given that you know, there's no one really to fill in that position after. Um, you know, Derek White is someone that I think can help them to like kind of solidify a uh, better rotation, um, at least within the guard system that they do have right now. Um, I think he is also quite a selfless player, given that, you know, he's pretty much spent his career um, developing around pop. He, like, just kind of looked at his stats before this, but he is averaging almost six assists playing beside DeJounte Murray. So, I think that is quite something to say, considering DeJounte Murray is almost a walking double-double with assists. Um, so I, I think it's going to be good to see how like that kind of facilitating factor that he's kind of learned through the Spurs um, is kind of, I guess, placed in the Boston Celtics system, just because that 
is definitely definitely needed for someone like or like for people like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to actually thrive. Um, they've both shown that they can be good players when they are off the ball, um, better than they are on the ball. Um, um, and I, I really don't think they gave up much for it. Josh Richardson has kind of not been the same player that he was once in Miami, respectfully. Um, Romeo Langford was kind of, you know, like just one of the, one of the, I guess, um, non-influential young players they had. So I don't think they lost a lot in him. And, um, you know, I'm not even going to get into the stuff of the picks. I don't, I mean, if it is one to 14 protected, um, like, I, I don't even know if like the Celtics will land in that spot. It's kind of hard to say given the rest of the season, but, um, it's a good move. I think considering that they really need to figure out what they're going to do with the Jays. Um, so I'd probably give it a B for them and for the Spurs, you know, just so I can give them a grade too. Um, you know, honestly, I'd probably give them a C. I don't, I honestly don't know what the Spurs are doing with their franchise right now. Um, like all the trades that they've kind of made are just helping out other teams. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Ruben, what do you think? DJ? I love, I love the, I love the, I love the trade, man. I love Derek White. I think he's a perfect guy. You just said I, I, I have nothing else to add other than this is a, a, a obvious win for the Celtics. I mean, I really feel like um, I wouldn't say that he is the the guy that the point guard for the future. I, I mentioned that offline before, but dude, Derek White's a perfect fit, right? He's unselfish. He can defend. He can rebound. He can do all the things you want to do. Can hit the three ball and. Um, I think that he's going to be a guy that they've missed for a really long time to put guys in position to be successful on the court. And he's going to be a real extension of the coach. Um, so I, I really like how he's going to fit in there. And I think in terms of size too, right, he adds a lot of versatility where he can play one to three and can defend one to three. Um, just, I like this pickup. I think the Celtics got a lot better. They're playing really well right now. You add him to the mix. Um, between the Jays, I think it, I think they're making a pretty significant push for the play for the playoffs, um, and they're right behind Toronto as well. So, I, I, for me, nothing else to add other than I think this is a, in my opinion, this is an A plus trade for the Celtics. I think they just got so much better with Derek White, and you lose Josh Richardson and 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 Dennis Schroeder for Daniel Tice and Derek White. Yeah, they share up their rotation. For me, great trade. Awesome trade. DJ, what do you think? Yeah, my sentiments exactly. I think, man, the fact that they didn't give up that much, too, considering, and they got back a player like Derek White, speaks volume to uh, Brad Stevens. Man's out here hitting licks like these Danny Ainge. Spurs, though, yeah, I think every move they've done has benefited everyone else and them very minimally. Because, I mean, when you look at Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford, all pretty solid, but they play the same position that they already have so much depth that, I mean, off the top, Lonnie Walker the fourth, Josh Primo, Devin Vassell. I even somewhat throw uh, Calvin Johnson into there because, you know, he's 6'5", he plays the four. I don't really see him as a four, though. But, yeah, I mean, with that 2028 pick, though, you, n- you never know what's going to happen. So those are the kind of picks that, you know, Turn into Jason Tatum's because we all know that was the Brooklyn pick, but 
yeah, I mean, completely agree with all you guys have been saying. All right. So for me, I get to talk about my team now. <clears throat> the four-teamer. The Bucks. Actually, I'll leave them last because, uh, you know. Last. Worst last, right? Yes. <laughs> so, in that case, first the worst. The Pistons receive Marvin Bagley. The Clippers receive Rania and Semi Ojale. The Kings, this one hurts to say, they receive Dante DiVincenzo. But they get Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson as well. And the Bucks, your future 2022 NBA champions, get Chef Mafuzi. Serge Ibaka, Serge E. Blocka, and two future second round picks, which I think is solid considering that this upcoming second round pick we have is uh, forfeited because of the tampering stuff. But yeah, so I'll just go in order here. I mean, the Bucks, I give it a solid B. Plus. I think the only reason I'm not giving it A is just the health concern with Serge. Much like Brooke, he's coming off of back surgery. He, you know, the back shots hurt too much, man. So they run a broke back mountain over there. Oh no. Serge Ibaka's ability to, I think, switch on to other players and his overall ability as defender, his ability to stretch the floor are all things which I think are central to the Bucks being successful because, uh, you know, when we're recording this, I just watched them get fucking slapped by the Suns. A big section of it was that they were able to get to the paint, like, at will almost, considering that Giannis, I think, is the best help defender. He's not the one guarding primaries. Sergi Baca, you insert him in there. I think a lot of those possessions, you get a stop. So I love that move for them. And there are the Clippers. This is just... This one's an F. Doesn't do much. Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale aren't going to get any rotational minutes. Semi Ojale, I definitely drank the Kool-Aid there. I remember hearing about it and seeing his build. And it was like, yo, it's the next PJ Tucker. And I saw it. I was like, oh, damn, he's hitting them threes. I could probably count on my fingers how many points I watched Semi Ojale personally score when I was watching. No, it's not much. Ronnie Hood's cool, though, I guess. The Pistons, I gave this a C plus. It could be higher in the future, though. I mean, with the Kings, Luke Walton gave up on Marvin Bagley. I think this is how. I think with that, though, the best option is to be into a new situation. I think, you know, no pun intended, he still has the potential to be solid. And hopefully uh, Detroit is where he hits that next gear. You know what I'm saying? But this is all considering that they're willing to pay him. But I also think you don't do the trade unless you're willing to pay him. Considering they don't really have anyone else to pay. Right now at least. But yeah, Marvin Bagley, super solid. The Kings, I gave this one a B. Just because I love Dante. You know, Dante's I think is one of the best perimeter defenders when it comes to the guard position. But it's also the fact that he is a guard that I think kind of hurts. Because obviously that's... That's been like the King's major dilemma. I mean, what is it? Aside from Marvin Bagley, the past two or three years have all been guards. So I think adding another guard to that legacy is uh, kind of questionable. But Dante is one of those bigger guards. So much like uh, Derek White, I do believe he can guard one through three. So you never know. And yeah, solid dude. I do hope he's not there next season, though. Because, again, I want to see him in a nice... Nice, flourishing, potentially starting role. That's not going to happen in Sacramento. And Trey Lyles, our Canadian brethren, is super solid. He's another Canadian getting buckets. I think when you put him onto that team, he has potential to really be good. 
And I think he's very solid value-wise because he's only getting paid $2 million and he has a team option for that next year, so the Kings would be stupid not to. But yeah, super solid four-teamer in my opinion. Ruben, Christian, what y'all thinking? I, I like this deal. I like it. I like it for the Bucks. Um, if Ibaka, you know, relearns how to play basketball, um, but you know they got some draft capital. But I like Ibaka. I mean, he he he's going to help a playoff team. It, it's tough with all the injuries. I think to the two years that he signed with Clippers just didn't work out, and I think a change of scenery is going to help him. The Clippers. I mean, you get two expiring deals. It is what it is. Kings. I like the Dante trade for sure. Um, you get another backcourt guy. And, um, who knows? I mean it. It very well could have been, you know, they get Dante because they might not believe in Davion Mitchell, you know. So I know we had this conversation before, and Dante's a proven guy, right? And he's still young and he's still developing. So I, I like that the Kings are able to bring in guys who can contribute now, but also align with the rest of their future now that they're building around Sabonis and Fox. And uh, Bagley gets a, a nice, uh, nice change of scenery. I think he can he can flourish if he gets minutes. It all depends on his opportunity in Detroit. I don't know. What do you feel? What do you feel, Chen? Um. Yeah, I think this is a interesting four teamer. Like, it's kind of I think more of a strategist kind of like look at a kind of trade this season for sure. Just because you know, in in hindsight, it doesn't seem like a lot to the casual NBA fan. Um. But I mean, Serge Ibaka is only like three years out since the Raptors won the championship of being like a very like well-experienced center um, that has what it takes to so really be like an influential part on a championship contending team. Um, I do agree like that presence is needed on the Bucks, and I'm sure DJ knows that as well. Um, I want to say like for the Kings, it's a good move too. Dante is a good player. I think to honestly replace Buddy healed with um, Trey Lyles will probably get, see a lot of minutes given the kind of weird, like big rotation they have. Um, I'm honestly, you know, most hype, and this is maybe a hot take, but um, I'm hyped on Marvin Bagley going to the Detroit Pistons. I think it's about time he gets, you know, a new scenery. His dad's been really you know, begging to get him out of there, and I think, like, um, I, th- I think one thing I've kind of been thinking about, you know, if, if there's one position in the NBA um, where players kind of flourish late um, due to circumstances, it's always bigs, and um, I think that kind of showed for me the first time when I started to watch a lot of Christian Wood. Um, he had been tossed around the league and um, not really getting like what he needed, the right scenario, but to kind of finally fit into a scenario where he can actually like get some PT. I think Marvin Bagley could turn into, like not turn exactly into the player, obviously. He was the first round pick, wasn't he? Uh, or, sorry, the first pick. It was a uh, second so Trey second. Young and Luca both went right, right, or after. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if he's gonna flourish into you know the second round pick potential, but um, I do think I'm excited to see what happens with him. Um, that's pretty much it, though. Six, six. So before we get to the main event, Ruben, bro, you got another big trade to break down. The Suns received. Corey Craig, Bucks legend, a 2021 NBA champion because he was there for more than half the season, I believe. And the Pacers received draft day steal. Got picked over Tyrese Halliburton. Jalen Smith, 
and a future second round pick. What you thinking? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a depth move for Phoenix. I mean, it just shows up their wing rotation. I mean, Tory Craig is is uh, is uh, is an all right player. Uh, I don't know if he's going to even contribute to that Phoenix team. the The interesting thing is for Pacers. I really like what they've done this this deadline season. I mean, there's not much to say about this one. Jalen Smith already proved that he's going to be a good young player when he's given opportunity, and the Phoenix Suns just didn't have those minutes to provide him with. They've already got Javale. They've got Aiton, and they really like what Bismack provided them when those guys were out. Um, so Jalen Smith, you, you add him to what they were doing in that core with Duarte and Tyrese Halliburton. Um, it, it, everyone was really high on the Jalen Smith uh, bandwagon, and, and for good reason. So I think this is, again, it caps off a really nice trade deadline day for the Pacers. They're heading in the right direction in terms of the rebuild, starting with Halliburton, ending at Jalen with Jalen Smith. Um, yeah, not much to say about this one. I think they just they just capped off a good trade deadline day with a really good move. Really good young piece. Yeah, no, I agree. I think with the Suns, I think they've addressed a big problem they had last year in their finals, which was the depth. Tor- Torrey Craig was like second or third string, and now he's probably third string, which, you know, depth is depth. Yeah, I mean... The Pacers, I think, were a sneaky team during the trade deadline in that I think a lot of people assume that they kind of shit the bed, but, you know, I think things are shaping up to be pretty decent. Jane, what do you think? I think this was the biggest trade in the whole deadline, honestly. Like, this one's pretty much, you know, going to shape the future of the NBA as we know it, so... Uh, no, honestly, a fuck. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> uh, these are the type of trades that you know you're just gonna have to wait out and see if you know something crazy does happen out of it. But I think Jalen Smith, honestly, like had never even got real run, um, and when he did, he showed sparks. It's kind of like a honestly similar to the Cole, like Precious Atua, like Toronto Raptors situation. Like, like he didn't really see a lot of time in Miami, and you know, I mean, it's kind of shown that he's been I in Toronto. I'm sure. Uh, uh, you know, Ruben might argue that I, he, he's aight. <laughs> um, so, you know, Jalen Smith might, you know, pan out to be like something really great that the um, that the Suns kind of miss out on just because of their timeline. But only time will really tell. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. That's all I really got. Solid, solid. All righty. So, the last trade, the main event of the evening here. We're ending off with a banger. The Brooklyn Nets receive Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first round pick. They have the right to defer until 2023 and a 2027 first round pick, which is projected number one to eight. And the 76ers. The Philadelphia Strippers are so happy today. They're getting James Harden and a savvy vet in Paul Millsap. I mean, I don't think we really give grades here. I think we can all agree that this is a solid trade on both ends. But, I mean, who who would y'all say won? Like, in my opinion, I'm going Brooklyn. But that's just long-term wise. But, yeah, what do y'all think? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Brooklyn for sure. I mean, 
you you get Seth Curry, who's a good depth piece. Like he's perfect for what they're trying to do. And then Drummond, they lack the big body, considering you know Claxton has been in and out, and then Marcus Aldridge is a as a veteran. But I think they shored up their front court issues. You get Seth Curry, you get those two first round picks, and then you have Ben Simmons, who's freaking twenty four years old, bro. He's twenty four years old. I mean, KD Kyrie chose to walk away. They have an all star player a cornerstone franchise player that they can build around moving forward. And then they have draft capital. They won for sure. But in the short term, I, I actually think the 76ers overall might be the better talented team. You look at them on paper currently, Tyrese Maxey, you have James Harden, Matisse Thibel, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, obviously, who I think is the front runner for the MVP this year. Um, yeah, those two guys pairing together, I think that it's a perfect, perfect duo. At least, you know, at the star, star wise. So the Nets won long term, but I really am excited to see how these teams play the rest of the year. I think James Harden is, I feel like in the way that the, the Sixers play and the way that Joel Embiid likes to operate, I think Harden is literally the perfect guy to play with Joel Embiid. So. I mean, no grades. It's just both teams, I think, got positives. And ultimately, you got rid of guys who just didn't want to be there for guys who want to be there. You know, as simple as that. And they got pretty good returns for it. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this trade quite often. And I'm kind of, honestly, like, if we had to give grades, I'm not going to give them. But I would definitely give the heavy favor to the Nets here. Um, I think they like. I, I feel like I've been okay. Like I, you might, you might say pause after this, but I feel like I've been gripped on the neck the same way I felt when they kind of built their big three. <laughs> um, you know, gripped on the what? <laughs> yo, yo, my bad, my bad. You guys know how you felt when you heard Kyrie Harden, and you know. Grant coming together, you're like, oh fuck, like yo, like it's gonna be like yeah. them in the finals every year for the next few years. And like, you know, we stop kind of feeling that feeling um with all the problems they're facing, then all of a sudden they make this trade and it's kind of that feeling again. Except I think this time around it's much more legitimate given that their depth is real now. Like they're not really pulling from the they don't need to pull from the G League. Um, I think this could really be the trade for them to honestly win the NBA championship this year. Um, even if like they give up James Harden, like um, I don't think they really lost in any sense, like because they do have that star power already. Um, ben Simmons, you know, at his best is like a deep boy candidate. Um, great facilitator, obviously a big body. Um, and then pairing that up, round two of the most like lethal ISO players in the league. And then, you know, now all this depth, like I, I feel like I go on and on about it, but I think the Nets have made like one of the bigger moves like in recent NBA times. And uh I think people are gonna get to know that really soon. And you know, I'm high on the Lake on sorry, not the Lakers, fuck. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh high on the Warriors winning <laughs> high on the Warriors like going all the way this year, but um I'm pretty scared for them now, honestly. Um, I am excited to see how James Harden does pair with Joel Embiid. However, I do think like this was definitely needed, and I do agree he's a great fit for Joel Embiid. Um, given that you know they they did they did need 
I guess, that player to really be, like, I guess, second to him, like, genuinely, versus, like, someone like Tobias Harris or, uh, I guess, uh, Ben Simmons when he was playing. Like, they just didn't have that kind of, I guess you could say, like, correct spacing, and now that they do have James Harden, it'll be interesting. Um, but I, I just think I've never been high on James Harden, personally. Um, and, you know, I don't want to bring the slander in, or maybe I should because this is, you know, this is where the debate comes. But I just don't think he is like all that he's really shaped out to be like he's he's obviously shown that he can be a top player in the league. But I, 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 I don't know. I don't really know if he's the guy to really bring the 76ers to the promised land. Um, but only time will tell. I, he just to me kind of is like a better okay you know don't get me wrong this is a bad statement but i think he's like a better russell westbrook not in the play style but just like in terms of the empty accolades you know but that's just that's just my hot take for the day i i just that's how i see him hey that is a that's a can i can i add a little tidbit here oh yeah yeah i'll go after it go ahead just a small one. Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden have played a total of 16 games together, and they're 13-3 and three in that record. And I think my hot take for this is that's the biggest what-if in NBA history. True. They've played 16 games together. 16. Like, and they're 13-3. and three. Like, that's, that's two former MVPs, two champions, like, the shit ton of all-star accolades together. I mean, think about it. Like, that's 16 games in two seasons between that big three. I don't know. Anyways, DJ. Let me give my take here. I, I got to stand for this one. With the fact that they have only played 16 games together, let it be known. The one man. The one team to beat the supposed greatest offense ever assembled in NBA history was taken down by a man from Sapolia, Greece, who used to have to share fucking shoes with his brother just to play basketball. He defeated them. Giannis Antetokounmpo defeated a team that I think many would say could have potentially ruined basketball in that you're not supposed to have three MVP-level guys on one team. They didn't fucking win. You know who did win? The Milwaukee Bucks. Nah, but to get back onto the trade, uh, I would say that kind of a very hidden slash, I think, slept on W is the fact that they kept Matisse Thibel. I mean, the earlier reports were saying that that was a big reason for a stalemate. And I think if you're the Sixers, Matisse Thibel is a guy who's, I think, in my opinion, almost penciled in for, like, all defense every year. I think with the ability to keep him along with adding James Harden is super solid when you look at their starting lineup. And man, I'm ex- the East is scary now. You know, I mean, Chef Mafuzi coming to town, but let it be known if that's the biggest what if, the biggest fact to go along with that is that Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Axel Tupon, uh, Sam Merrill, uh, who the fuck else? Jordan Noara, fucking that whole, I have a shirt, I'm not going to grab it, but 
the only team to ever defeat the supposed God Squad Brooklyn Nets with all their All-Stars is the 2021, soon to be repeating, NBA champion, the Milwaukee Bucks. Man, I thought this was the Blacktop podcast, not the Bucks and Six podcast. Hey, it's Bucks. Whatever, whatever, whatever team beat them when when it all mattered the most. If Kevin Durant's feet were so fucking big, I wouldn't be saying this. But dub is a dub. I mean, I hope we get. We I hope with that that being said, I hope we all give the same credit to uh, the Toronto Raptors for beating the Golden State Warriors. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. No. 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 Injuries are part of the game. Exactly. That's Injuries are a part of the game. I mean, that's that's probably the main, uh, not the main reason. That's a big reason why the Bucks won. But you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo also came to play. Brook Lopez blocked the shot when uh, KD was chucking up shit, and you know, <laughs> but that was a nice long episode. We appreciate y'all coming through. We did have another section planned, but I think we've had more than enough content. I mean. Should we went through every trade. We had nice little passionate takes at the end here. We grabbed some necks. Yeah, hundies, yo. But shoot. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode from the official first time our big three is established. We appreciate y'all. I mean, I love all y'all. Thank you to our current, future, and uh, yeah, current. I wasn't going to say past because that means you know the fuck was on the mid But our current and future supporters, we appreciate you. I'm going to let my boys... You know, say their little piece, and we go end it right there. Ruben, bro, go ahead. What up, y'all? Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, joining in and enjoying these conversations. Make sure you let us know if you guys have any topics. If you guys have anything you want to touch base on, if you got questions for us, let us know. We'll we'll try to address them in the next podcast. All right, and Christian, end us off, homie. I don't really got much, to be honest. Uh, Appreciate whoever is listening to this, though. Uh, just got to say, you know, uh, keep keep uh, spreading positivity. Um, live, laugh, love. Um, and just remember that James Harden is overrated. All right. Good, good night. All right. With that, stay safe, stay blessed. We have been the Blacktop Podcast. Have a good one.